SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation. It's our Indigenous Knowledge Systems uh, conversation that we have every Tuesday for a total of an hour. And uh, you're welcome to be a part of it. We usually sit back and learn. That's what happens at this particular time. Okay, Professor Mugung Mapadimeng is an Indigenous language and Ubuntu culture as anchor of Indigenous knowledge systems. Okay, former professor of sociology at UKZN, Northwest University, and the University of Limpopo. Currently a research director in Inclusive Economic Development Division of the Human Sciences Research Council, that is the HSRC. And we are talking about all things Ubuntu, all things indigenous knowledge systems, all things indigenous languages. I know it's a lot, but Professor is here to unpack it for us. Prof, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Afternoon, the guy is the Thank you. So let's right. let's start with just the understanding of indigenous knowledge systems. Yes. Um, yeah, in IKS, it's, uh, it's, it's not a new subject altogether at all. Mm-hmm. It has been a subject of uh, extensive intellectual inquiry for many years. Mm-hmm. And there are those scholars who gave some uh, understanding of what it actually means and what it is and how important it is to our lives in modern day times. Uh, for instance, let me just cite here from, from one of the eminent African and uh, African scholars, Kwasi Kapra uh, of UCT, uh, who defines it as bodies of historically informed and locally gendered knowledge, and gendered knowledge that is distinctive, very important underlying there, and societally relevant uh, and characteristic of a given culture and all society. So. Here we're talking about a knowledge system that is specific, distinctive, and yet has a global relevance. And he goes on to define it better by, uh, by saying that it is defined by age-long, age-long acquired practices, mm-hmm. very important. Skills and proficiency is the know-how of people used in their everyday existence to sustain their mode of life. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a knowledge that is critical to... Um, to, to self-sustenance and also survival. And uh, furthermore, there is also uh, a yet another African scholar, Kathy Odora Hopper, uh, who, um, who actually goes to refer to it as being about exploring indigenous technological knowledge mm-hmm. in agriculture, fishing, forest resource exploitation, atmospheric management techniques, knowledge transmission systems, architecture, medicine, pharmacology, recasting the potentialities that all of this have in the present context we are in. Mm. So in a nutshell, that gives you a sense of what we're talking about, a distinctive and yet very cultural distinctive knowledge, yet has this global relevance and application. How important is it for us to recognize that part of why we sit here and have this conversation where we are almost hearing it, almost like we're hearing it for the first time, is because there was a deliberate attempt to erase this, even by law, in this country? 
Well, uh, that was the colonial uh, mission uh, of uh, the negation of the existence and the relevance of others that they consider to be irrelevant or of, 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 of lesser significance. But then, uh, and, and that has had a very huge impact on our lives to this day, uh, captured aptly through the concept, the, the, the phrase that says the impact of the past on the present. Mm-hmm. So, even now we are in a democracy uh, about a generation, a period that's about a generation or three, five years plus. Uh, but that continues to have a huge impact on our lives. Why is this important? Because of what has been captured by other scholars, like, for instance, um, uh, Neville Alexander talking about indigenous African languages, which are also part of this discussion today. Uh, he talks about the syndrome of the colonized mind. Mm. And then, of course, one eminent professor in Nigeria, the late Barry Odmode, wrote in 1988 about the problem of dependent development syndrome, all of which are traced back to colonial times when policies and legislations were used to suppress indigenous ways of living. <laughs> uh, and this, this, is, it, this was done in a very systematic way. Mm such that even us Africans, and this is what Christy Kofrasse talks about, Professor Kofrasse talks about, um, that there is that problem of amongst ourselves, he talks about that reluctance amongst amongst ourselves to actually embrace, uh, he talks, he refers to reluctance even amongst our own people Mm. to embrace indigenous knowledge and the richness of the knowledge and the wisdom. He he captures it with a a phrase that is, is, is called inertia, and inertia and an unspoken willingness, sometimes attributed to lack of political will among mm-hmm. African people who are trapped in this mode of operation through the knowledge which is foreign to their experience. We continue our conversation with Professor Mukung Mapadimeng, who is an Indigenous language and Ubuntu culture uh, anchor of Indigenous knowledge systems, a former professor of sociology at UKZN, the Northwest University, as well as the University of Limpopo, currently at the Human Sciences Research Council as a research director in Inclusive Economic Development Division. And I'm going to continue this conversation with him. You're more than welcome to be a part of it. 0891-104-207. And uh, what are we discussing in Indigenous knowledge systems, Ubuntu, as well as indigenous languages here in South Africa. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105 FM in Peter Maritzburg. We continue our conversation with Professor Mukung Mapadimeng, who is Indigenous Knowledge and Ubuntu Culture as anchors of Indigenous Knowledge Systems, former Professor of Sociology at UKZN, Northwest University, as well as the University of Limpopo. He's currently at the Human Sciences Research Council as the Research Director in Inclusive Economic Development Division. So what are we discussing? We're discussing all things Indigenous Knowledge Systems, Indigenous Language, as well as Ubuntu. Prof, before we went to the ad break... I want us to unpack yeah. slightly the notion of what you were speaking about, what for me is a deliberate attempt 
to create what I think is fictitious friction between African indigenous spiritual knowledge systems and, for instance, Christianity. And and you were speaking about that in, 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 in trying to highlight the fact that this was a deliberate attempt. And that's what I was saying, that it went as far as, as, as it being law in this country. And until we recognize that, we won't understand why this is fictitious. It's not true that there are tensions. It's because there was a deliberate attempt for us to believe that it was wrong or that there are real tensions. Yes, I mean, it was a strategy of domination, which was meant to, to, to I mean, to ensure that um, uh, the European ways, especially, uh, are the ones that actually continue to rule our lives. Uh, and then African, I mean, as I said, I mean, even to this day, you find that uh, African people, majority of African people do not believe fully, but in, 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 in their own, they don't appreciate the richness of the wisdoms and the knowledge that could liberate us intellectually and culturally. And this is the, this is, this is actually, the, the, I'll just give you an example of just how rich this is important and strategic this kind of knowledge is, which it was critical to the colonialists because they saw the need to suppress it because it could help us to 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 to, to win against them, to, to to win a fight against them as they were trying to colonize us. Let me just give you an example, for instance, uh, I did a trip a year ago uh, to China and then I found something very, very important in terms of how they manage internal uh, the internal migration. Because China is a huge country, but they tap into their indigenous culture, and, and each time one engages with them in, 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 in a conversation and a dialogue with the Chinese, they get so, I mean, you find that they get so excited about this, they get illuminated, they want to hear more, and they want to share. And the icon that they have a system they call the Hoku system, the Hoku system that they use to manage internal migration in China itself, because China has got provinces. Just like us. Uh, so what they do is they attach uh, uh, they attach uh, incentives to living in Houghton province, for instance, and being a resident of Houghton province. And only when you are not discouraged from moving from Limpopo to Houghton province, because that's where your benefits are. And they create opportunities with that. But also they enforce the that entered into that whole system, the cultural system, that actually and demand that people actually uh, 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 belong, and at the same time, as they, they become loyal to and understand why it is necessary to have those controls to avoid the problem, for instance, that we have in South Africa today. Mm. After 94, we have seen the urban population escalating, the numbers. We have so much of uh, uh, the informal settlements, people where people actually occupy the land, because people don't have a space, because we have abandoned the rural. So the, the, the significance of indigenous, uh, 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 culturally anchored indigenous systems, such as, for instance, the Chinese are using the Hoku system as part of their cultural and intellectual and technological revolution, is that it helps to bring a balance between the urban and the rural. And then you don't have a, a conflict between the two, and at the same time you still have a balance a healthy balance whereby the rural residents and the urban residents are taken care of, the economies are developed at more or similar pace. So that brings a common understanding. There is no clash 
of those who are going to tell you that about liberal rights. We have this right and therefore. So that mentality of entitlement is going to be taken care of. So this is, I find, I found the Chinese system very important. Mm. That if we look into our own cultural system, we could actually draw some of the important insights, and even Ubuntu as well as the philosophy, we could draw some of the important insights that could actually shape our policy. Because at the moment, because we operate like Europeans, that's why even, you know, sometimes we get embarrassed, we travel around the world, they, when we say, from, from South Africa, they say, uh, are you really African? Mm. You are asked by European that says, are you truly African? And I find that very insulting because uh, South Africa has been, maybe because of the colonialism of special time, of white, white settler colonialism in South Africa, you have a situation where people sort of will refer you as not so African, because other African countries don't have this similar situation we have in South yeah. Africa. In, in fact, Prof, I want us to elaborate a bit on that in, in how deep what our specific unique problem is as South Africans as opposed to other Africans is that, you know, I kept saying to you that we, we went as far as making law um, demonizing our medicinal knowledge systems uh, around the 50s it was banned for an African person to to trade or at least even practice their African traditional um, medicines because it was seen to be bringing disease and uh, witchcraft which is interesting because the concept of witchcraft is actually quite a Western concept and and we have adopted it as if it is a, an African concept <laughs> exactly. So this is very interesting because now look at the pharmacies today. They are packed with African indigenous medicines, which are being exploited for 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 for, for commercial reasons. And then often those pharmacies, who owns those pharmacies, pharmaceutical uh, enterprises, not black African. So this is a problem because we have been told that this is not important. That suddenly when they discover that this is really important, they start to, to venture into that and they exploit it to their own interests. And black Africans continue to suffer. That's the reality, whether we like it or not. I mean, recently uh, the case of Umkhonyani uh, or um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the 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 that we we, we see now the mm-hmm. with COVID nineteen. It's already there in the in the herbal shops. Mm-hmm. And not this are not owned by black people. And this is very interesting. Now, you get emasculated historically with the legislations and all this education system and, and, and the belief systems that actually make you believe that you are less of important or less of a human, and as a result of which you find that you don't even actually appreciate yourself and what the richness of and somebody from outside begin to appreciate that. That's what they call um, uh, this thing. It's more like a, you become much more... Um, the, the, the problem of familiarity. Mm-hmm. You tend to be too familiar with the situation. You can't even identify opportunities that are there. Uh, and it has been exacerbated by the legislation which has been mm-hmm. uh, promulgated many, many years uh, which, uh, with the education system that sort of colonized us. Mm-hmm. Hence... Here uh, uh, we see, uh, for instance, the likes of the late uh, 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 Neville Alexander talking about the syndrome of the colonized mind. So these are the challenges that we are facing. And it, it is really working because we don't benefit from this. Others are benefiting. The big enterprises, big companies are, are tapping into this. I mean, there is so much of evidence of this. You can see this thing of uh, Mama Esther Masangu uh, being exploited 
uh, because she's got something valuable. You get my point? BMW so, so is stepping into the German, is a German auto manufacturer. Not even South African auto manufacturer of BM, South Africa is doing that, but a German one, the German BM. So what's happened is like that the richness of what we have, we don't appreciate until other people begin to find that that, 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 that richness and exploit it to their own commercial benefit. I'm going to ask us to pause there for a second, Prof. We need to go to the headlines. It's one thirty. Let me just apologize to Utsile for being late, but here's the headlines with Utsile Sako. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.9 FM in Port Elizabeth. Hi, Pumela. Can you please ask this question to your guest there? If, uh, I've, I've got the belief that the reason why the so-called educated elite, they don't want to use indigenous knowledge system is that when they they realize that they've been miseducated unlike other african scholars like mama marimba anu who've written an afrocentric critique of european etymologies where he talks about how european views the world unlike us as african and other discussion will tell us that we must cleanse ourselves of european ways of doing things and now the so-called elite when they realize guti they immediately when they understand that they are miseducated they lose the status that comes with it with being educated if you are a professor and then you realize what you've been miseducated all your life and find out about african achievement it's difficult for them to accept that and they don't want to lose that status in the community hence you always find these people that became the educated whereas they are not Good day, this is Pamela, and to the listeners of SAFM, this is Anonymous from Cape Town. I just want to ask the professor there to, to if, he, if he has any knowledge about the, the links of the Rwanda uh, language and how did it spread uh, across Southern Africa and the relationship between Rwanda, uh, 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 because you find that there's, there's similarities in, in, in the Chewa, in the uh, Zulu, in the Shona, in the Tosa, uh, as well as the Sutu language. Uh, so, just for him to elaborate more on, on the relationships between uh, uh, the Vatu languages. Okay, so uh, my guest is Professor Mukung Mapadimeng, uh, Indigenous Language and Ubuntu Culture, as an anchor of Indigenous Knowledge Systems Professor. He's also a former professor of sociology at the UKZN, Northwest University, as well as University of Limpopo, currently at the HSRC as Research Director in Inclusive Economic Development Division. Prof, just to start with the voice note that came through around uh, people who he's calling them elite educated. Can you please, and, and this is important can you please highlight the relationship between the era mm. when christianity um was introduced to africa and the tensions one more time of having to make choices as families between how when you were rejecting christianity you would be referred to amakaba 
right? Uh, essentially then, um, you know, sort of moving you away from what they would call and an, an term educated. So educated people were people who embraced um, Christianity and were seen to be more modernized and more uh, evolved. And, and there was that deliberate attempt to, again, see African people as a maghab. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting one. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, other scholars have written about this, other Africans, who, uh, prominent Africans, like the late that the Reverend Moikes wrote about this. I know also um, uh, uh, Dr. Mukanyani uh, Mugoba, former PAC president, uh, and also former um, ex- uh, um, uh, bishop of, um, uh, presiding bishop of uh, Methodist Church of Southern Africa. They wrote about this, and then other scholars indeed. And they, they, they pointed to the problem that of how the colonial missions, missionaries, mm-hmm. uh, bringing in Christianity as, a, as an uh, um, uh, external religion into African communities. Uh, but uh, and then how that actually and they used that as part of the colonial mission mm-hmm. to divide our people, and then uh, uh, through what they call conversion. Mm. Converting people from the so-called heathens uh, to becoming the so-called believers and all that, as if people never had belief systems even before that. <laughs> and this is very important because it brings, it creates, it could create some kind of sort of a, um, confusion and, and create a confusion because. Now the question is, if you look at Christianity itself, let's just take Christianity because we know it's an offshoot of. Uh, a Christian belief system is an offshoot of uh, Judaism, and then, then later, of course, mm. Islam. Mm. Uh, and then we know the relationship that existed between uh, 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 between Isaac and uh, Is- was it Isaac and uh, who's the other child side, his brother. Mm. Um, now we have that uh, one was born of uh, a mate, Egyptian mate, who was a, a servant, and uh, Ismail from the a, a, a Jewish mother. So what happened is uh, uh, then you, the the the, the uh, it's, it's, I think no, not Isaac. It's, um, I just forget the name. Mm-hmm. But what happened is like the Egyptian one is African, but then uh, along it was supposed to become an heir to uh, to to to, uh, to that uh, household. And what happened? What happened is uh, he was relegated to nobody. And then they said he, he will go and establish his own kingdoms elsewhere and have a big, his big nation. And that what happened then is uh, there is that kind of uh, uh, then that's where Islam comes out. I don't know. I don't want to go into the finer details of that. Mm-hmm. But then uh, you find that kind of a history. That is Christianity completely foreign to Africa? Is Islam completely foreign to Africa? I don't know. But there is a history of some interconnectedness yep. there. Uh, but the, the problem is how is uh, this foreign religions which were developed elsewhere were brought into African communities and to demobilize, to, de- to emasculate African religions and, and cultures, and at the same time making people convert people away from who they are, their, their indigenous identities and their own practices. We have seen that, for instance, there's a village where I come from in Zimpopo, uh, my, and the village that, 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 that's nearby my village is Hamasimola. Hamasimola is a clear division between 
historically between those converts, they call it Majegani. Mm-hmm. And then you have the part, other part of the village is called Bagamushat, uh, which means these are traditional yes. and therefore not converted. And therefore, and what happened invariably with even education when it was brought, it was brought to Majega, those were converted. And they had this advantage because they were introduced, they were trained uh, through the formal education system. But then there's another thing about um, uh, the, the point that you, 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 you mentioned about the miseducated, the, the point about the miseducated, and we also we talk about the choices that families have to make yep. about between Christianity and indigenous religion. I don't know, I mean, uh, I, I mean you can see historical people were not left with choices, mm. things were imposed, and to this day, uh, the indigenous African belief system were, were shunned, but the power of African independent churches it's also interesting, African independent Christian churches, because they have a strong African element of healing and, 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 and prayer system and belief system. And then at the same time, of course, there's a shunning of, indigenous, uh, for instance, indigenous healers. They are, they are seen as, you know, they are, as you talk about, you said, witch, the notion of witchcraft. Mm. I mean, they, we talk about, they talk about witch doctors. And then that, that is misleading. Mm. You cannot associate these are healers. They are healers. They are those who practice wrong things yep. and those who do genuine healing. And we should actually identify and be able to distinguish that. Those who will help us with advancing further. The knowledge that this that these are knowledge bearers, indigenous knowledge bearers that Pro- we need to tap into to actually to our own advantage. And that is exactly what I, what actually I mentioned earlier on, and I need to also revert back to that, to end what the prominent Professor Barry Odimode uh, said is Africa's dependent development syndrome, or a need for what Kotika Prasa says is for intellectual sovereignty mm. to achieve that. Prophet, let's just take a quick break and I'll come back to you. Colin, I'll come back to you, Timothy, after the break. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.6 FM in Palabora. Professor Moko Mabadimeng is an Indigenous language and Ubuntu culture as anchor of Indigenous knowledge systems. Professor, a former professor of sociology at UKZN, Northwest University, as well as University of Limpopo, and currently at the HSRC, and uh, he is a research director in Inclusive Economic Development Division. I'm taking your calls um, as soon as uh, I get the lines. Okay, I see the lines already. Colin, you're calling us from East London. Thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and good afternoon to the professor as well as the listeners. Good afternoon. Uh, just, just, I've just got a question in the remark as well. The question is, uh, does the professor um, uh, find that maybe the ills and the uh, the troubles that we, our society is facing today is as a result uh, of uh, an interrupted uh, evolution, so to speak? Mm. Because uh, uh, we had our, we uh, as black or African people, we had our own evolution which could have ended us in a different place that we could have been very familiar with than uh, an evolution that was then was imposed on the black people. And uh, sometimes we find ourselves in, in extremely foreign ground, which is why maybe we find that African people, African governments largely are battling with uh, mm. such concepts as, uh, as, as, as uh, democracy. 
Mm, because democracy question. was imposed is a, is, a, is a system that was imposed which was not a, a particularly favorable governance system to 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 to, to the people wow. and um, my remark my remark would be if we are indeed uh, a casualty of an interrupted uh, evolution yeah. shouldn't we therefore be deliberate without uh, romanticizing going back to where we could have been mm-hmm. shouldn't we therefore be more deliberate to 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 pen out to work out our own evolution mm-hmm. which does not seek to copy any else elsewhere. <laughs> Colin, what an excellent question. And I have a feeling, Prof, that it's not quite um, a remodeling because when you look very closely, things around climate change and all the things that are happening around the world, they look pretty similar to where African indigenous knowledge systems lie. Am I wrong? Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, let me just uh, particularly respond to. <laughs> to the, the call, uh, the, 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 the theory that has just been made by a caller now, mm. uh, that have we not been interrupted historically. Mm. We have most definitely been interrupted. Our development has not taken the trajectory, followed the trajectory it was supposed to, because of the disturbance which uh, occurred with colonialism. Um, and one will only imagine, because remember, yeah. this is the thing why we, we celebrate. We need to celebrate and at the same time heighten the achievements that Africans made prior to colonialism and how we can draw inspiration from that to inform our new endeavors uh, towards our own economic, intellectual, cultural emancipation. Uh, I mean, if you look at the story of the Kemet civilization mm. in Egypt, and which the uh, Afrocentric scholars, for instance, like Mulifika, uh, 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 Asante, mm-hmm. uh, uh, how they actually are trying to actually uh, encourage us to look back to that as an inspiration, Afrocentrism. Uh, and also, if you look at the fact that there's an evidence of the achievements that were made, for instance, Mapungubwe yes. as a city itself, yes. Yes. a stone city that we know, which was involved in international trade. Mm. We know and where uh, 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 economic, uh, serious uh, trading and economic activity has been happening. And we know the story of Timbuktu now. Yes. We know those manuscripts. We know all those evidence, the evidence of civilization. There's a lot that has been written about this. We know, for instance, that um, there's just so much that, that we we need to factor this into our education system. Prof, we need I, I, to factor I, this into our education system because uh, one of the things that has just been said was um, the, 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 the interruption and also the fact that the whole notion of the miseducated, mm. educated, miseducated. Yes. And that's why as a former scholar and academic, I always impressed it on my students that it is important that as you walk through this university game, mm-hmm. please do not, you know, there was a misguided notion that when you get into the university and you get out, mm-hmm. you're going to be completely different and you know better than your elders mm-hmm. in the communities from where you come from. Mm-hmm. But now, increasingly, evidence is actually working against, it's turning the whole thing on its own head. Mm-hmm. Um, that in fact, what the knowledge you bring with you from before you come into the university, is that you must use that knowledge to actually build on what else you're going to be, be introduced to. Because what has happened is that the education system has been anchored and has been anchored into 
uh, you can say, colonial concepts mm. and theories and categories. We need to liberate ourselves from those colonial categories and concepts uh, and begin to develop our own theories, which is still a major challenge for Africans. Let me, today, and not only Africans, we talk about the global south. There is a global intellectual movement to promote the theories, uh, social theories, uh, theories of life from the global south, and Africa is part of the global south. Mm-hmm. We know, for instance, about the concepts of which have, the theories which have been advanced by some of the scholars from the global south, which, like Ibn Khaldun, nobody knows about. I only discovered this when I was a professor. Wow. Never have I ever been exposed to this in my entire education system. Prof, and, let, me, let me pause you there, Prophet. I'm going to have to take this break, and then I'll be back with more after this. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation. We're discussing indigenous knowledge systems, Ubuntu, indigenous languages. We're running quickly out of time. I cannot believe it. Timothy, thank you so so much for being patient. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Good afternoon, Timothy. Good afternoon. So I would like to add something uh, to the good professor's discussion uh, that um, I grew up on a farm in KZN. Uh, my grandfather was a German immigrant to this country. And we had someone working on the farm as a stockman. And a stockman, to tell you what that is, looked after the cattle and the pigs. And this old man had a umuchi ukhuta, ukhuta, scours in English. But to stop, uh, to stop uh, scours and the runny stomach in pigs, in baby pigs and uh, little calves, and it was a traditional um, African medicine, uh, Zulu medicine. And Inyanga, he he was in Nyanga, mm-hmm. but he also worked on the farm. And yep. this old man, I don't know what it was that he had, but my word, it could stop. And if you know baby animals, if they have a bad runny tummy, they can die within a few days. Mm. And this muti would work better than the muti that we got from the vets. Um, I just thought I'd like to share that because mm. it was traditional roots yeah. and different things that he mixed. Yeah. And as in younger, he how, obviously... How long ago was this, Timothy? Oh, this man must have passed away... Um, when I was a child, so you know what you know why this is significant, Timothy, because in the fifties it was illegal for him to actually practice that. He could have gone to jail in the fifties. It it but, became illegal in South Africa for an African so to I'm, practice I'm African medicine. So I'm not that old, so I don't know about that part yeah. of our history, unfortunately. Yeah. But what I do know is that this old man. And the the history is a bit vague, but Mm. I heard my grandfather narrate this story a few times. And I don't know whether it was when my grandfather was with my great grandfather Mm -hmm. on the farm or whether it was, and I think it was back then, because Mm. he wouldn't share that knowledge with his son. Of course. He wouldn't share that knowledge with his son because his son was a bit wayward and didn't respect him as a father. And so this old man, I can't remember whether it was who had this this wonderful medicine, which was a, a traditional medicine. And the man took it to his grave with him. He wouldn't pass it on to anybody. There, there, are, lots of, 
there are lots of uh, nuances there. And, and I mean, I don't know if you've got enough time. Prof, um, I mean, just give us clarity on when it was, uh, re, you know, when, when did the unbanning of use of African medicine happen in South Africa, just for context? The unbanning of African medicine. Well, the, the use of African okay, medicines yeah. or, tra- or, or trading thereof. No, I mean, even if the, the apartheid has its uh, legislation which banned uh, many things African, indigenous yes. African, yes. including a, a, a nice distilled uh, uh, alcohol called, yes. we call it totot or bambo, whatever you want to call yes. it. Uh, which uses the harbor process, similar like, a process similar to for this level, uh, like uh, the harbor process in in in, uh, in, in organic chemistry. Mm. Uh, uh, so I mean, as much as they had those, people continue to use those uh, uh, indigenous uh, uh, healing systems without regard for that. That's why even to this day, most people still continue to go to indigenous healers for help. And now, after 94, we know that the IKS policies and legislations have been introduced to actually enhance the exploitation to benefit our people and to stop what the, 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 the piracy, the, the stealing of this knowledge for or foreign uh, commercial exploitation. Prof, I guess my point here is that there, there has to be, I guess my point is that there has to be acknowledgement of the fact that yeah. there were, there are, there were consequences. You know, the, the other gentleman spoke about the, you know, was the interruption of our trajectory. And, and what I'm trying to get at is that they, they, we have to be a bit more forgiving in how we landed up here because there were consequences in you embracing your culture. You could have gone to jail, you know, there were there were things that you could have been denied um, by sticking to your roots. So, you know, people did what they had to. And, and that's maybe the nuance that I wanted to bring into this conversation. No, people go to jail for, for, for instance, uh, for, for, for this particular alcohol product I'm talking about. Mm. Because it was totally banned. Mm. You would not be allowed to actually do this at home, but to continue to do it. Yes. We know when the, 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 the black township emerged, people continue to prepare this kind of alcohol, and even in rural areas. Mm. And it's a scientific process. Yes. But it was suppressed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, the, the problem is, I mean, uh, this is take you back, for instance, to TRC. Mm-hmm. Just how much justice was done with the truth and reconciliation process. Mm. We know that there is still a lot of issues mm. beyond politics, mm. political issues. Mm. There are other forms of justices which have been uh, imposed on African people or black people mm. in, in general, mm. uh, which have not actually received any form of justice mm-hmm. since then. So, I mean, this point that uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, this caller has just made uh, about that multiple for healing the animals mm. is, is a very important point. But you can see it was practiced without acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we could, this was acknowledged, economic injustice that goes with it, the cultural injustice, because had it been actually developed properly, how many people will have to receive employment? How, many, uh, 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 how much will people have actually gained in terms of further knowledge of developing? Because knowledge starts at the lower levels and it continues to grow. Professor, into a powerful knowledge system. Professor Mokong, there's a question we never got to, and I'm, I'm going to 
plead with you to to make time to continue this conversation because uh, one of the voice notes was asking about the the the, the language abantu abantu languages and and how um it's influenced from languages and Nguni languages and stuff like correct that. so if we may maybe pick up on this particular issue when we speak again um because i think there's a lot that we haven't even touched yet thank you very very much for the time you've given us today it's a pleasure, Kimelo, and I appreciate the opportunity and also for the listeners to share their comments and their input. And indeed, if there's another opportunity to present yourself, I'm happy to engage on it because it's a very important question of language, mm-hmm. uh, languages in Southern Africa and in Africa in general. Appreciate it so much, Professor. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much, Professor Mukung Mapadimeng, Indigenous Language and Ubuntu Culture as an anchor of Indigenous Knowledge Systems Professor. He's a former professor of sociology at UKZN, Northwest University, as well as the University of Limpopo, and currently at the Human Sciences Research Council as research director. Director in Inclusive Economic Development Division. That will be available as a podcast. It's two o'clock.